What is happening, podcast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter, on, you guessed it, another great episode of The Matt Baxter Show. I'm hanging out with Melissa Dobbins. Melissa Dobbins is the founder and CEO of Career Place, organization doing some amazing, amazing, amazing work helping remove bias in the hiring process. This whole conversation is near and dear to my heart about what she's doing in the world, about making uh, organizations have a bias-free piece in their hiring process. And she is phenomenal. We also talk a little bit about dragons. I think she was disappointed we didn't talk more about dragons. However, that's just a segue into saying we're going to have many, many, many conversations going forward. So, Melissa, I just want to say a huge thank you to you. You are amazing. You're a leader. You're a thought leader in the space. You're an amazing writer. And you're just an amazing person. So I hope everybody enjoyed this podcast just as much as I did. Thanks, Melissa. Melissa, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. It is a pleasure joining you today. So through the, I don't know, maybe year, year and a half we've known each other, we've had some fun smack talking. And I know today we might talk about dragons. We're probably going to talk about some kind of cake that you're interested in eating that I wasn't supposed to bring up, but I just did right off the get-go. We might talk about HR tech. I don't know. We might have to you know, talk bad about Jim D'Amico. I don't know. There's so many things we could discuss. One of those things is a dangerous topic. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> It's a scavenger hunt to figure out which one it is. Exactly right. <laughs> so give me uh, give me the life story. What's the background? Uh, yes. Yeah, so about, oh man, five years ago, I started a company called Career.Place and been on a mission to remove bias from the hiring process ever since. And what started out to be more of a structural problem, how can we change the process around talent acquisition and specifically candidate screening became a full-on obsession around diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and just creating a, a better, more welcoming environment for everybody. And that has been my day job. And I cannot tell you how amazing and exciting every day is with a day job as cool as that one. So when you sought out to solve this problem, what was it like, what led up to basically seeking to solve this? Was this something you had experienced firsthand? Was this something you saw in the industry? But for somebody taking on the, the, the dream of uh, making bias or making hiring unbiased, that's no small task. And so what was sort of the, uh, what was sort of the dream uh, that, that uh, started this whole thing? Yes. First of all, let's call it what it is, the origin story. Give it the full the origin, the founder story. Give me the founder story, Melissa. Yes. Come on. Now. No, well, I mean, you can't see because this is audio, but right behind me is a whole bunch of various Star Wars and Doctor Who and Hogwarts and all this other stuff. I am, I love the storytelling and I love the origin story. <laughs> so, um, our origin story, you know, you you really hit it when you were asking the question. It's like a lot of founder origin stories. It started out very personal and with a personal problem. And so my background, what I was doing before I started the company was I ran product strategy and product management for hyper growth tech companies. So these are the organizations that are somewhere between 50 or 20 and 50 million chasing that 100 million in revenue and the big acquisition. And so the job of running the future, the roadmap, the strategy is a really important one. And yet when I would go into interviews for these important high level positions, the VP, the executive positions, I would get all sorts of ridiculous questions. Like, 
can you fire people? Because that's emotionally difficult. And if your kid gets the sniffles, can you still be fully present here? Because we need people who can be fully present. So just to clar just to clarify on that, these are people asking, like when you are applying, these are people asking you? Yes, as an applicant in an executive level position are asking me these types of questions. It got so bad that I had, I ended up walking out of or stopping more interviews than I completed. Telling people, you know, that question's illegal. Don't ask that. People might sue you. Um, or that's completely inappropriate. That's completely irrelevant. And I started telling these interviewers, these organizations, what they should be asking me, what they should be asking people that they're looking for, for, um, for running their product organizations. And they were so distracted by what they saw and what they assumed that they weren't actually evaluating me for what I can do. And I did what any normal person would do in this very infuriating situation. I started complaining about it. And what I realized as I talked to people was that everyone had a story. Everyone, everyone, no matter what they look like, no matter what their demographics, this was such a prevalent challenge that something would distract the conversation and switch over into this realm of assumptions and biases. And so in my case, it was one of these moments where I had to either put up with this problem or become part of the solution. And I chose to become part of the solution and shortly thereafter created Career.Place to start mitigating and resolving these challenges of bias within the hiring process, of being of those distractions that lead us astray. So when you like, you were dealing with this as an applicant and basically coaching uh, you. I mean, coaching, if you will, telling people this is this is a better way to ask that question. Or, hey, you can't even you're not even allowed to ask that question. Where did your background or if I'm allowed to expertise of this? Like, is that something you've just always been interested in? You've always wanted to make a better process or did this start to become an issue? Then you started to really dive in on the research before you even launched your company. What was sort of the. The, the motivation for the original skill set on this? Yeah, that's a really good question. So my my background and skill set is around process improvement and process optimization. So I've been in yep. um, vendor tech or B2B business to business technology for most of my career. And that's a series of fixing systemic process challenges. When it comes to the specific challenge of bias and then the greater challenge of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and every other variation of that, that general theme, that became a, an obsession from this particular problem, but it's always been an interest. I mean, all the way back in college, I was part of interfaith communities, trying to make sure that the, the different faiths on campus were all treated equitably and fairly and had a sense of belonging. So it's always been a part of what I've cared about, what I've gravitated towards, which makes it super exciting that this becomes the, the challenge that I, I ended up spending so much of my time with. I love it. Um, and I'm sorry to make you do this, but for the audience members that obviously diversity, equity, and inclusion has become specifically in the HR tech world, but just across the world has become a very important uh, topic going on right now. Can you define the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion? or def like simple definitions around the three? Yes, that, that's a really good question. And I think it's, it's an important one as well because getting those things confused or using them interchangeably is part of the problem. 
So diversity is all about the numbers. That's literally how, what, what makes us up as a community. It can be sliced and diced in all sorts of different ways, though in the U.S. it's commonly looked at from the EEOC standards, which are the, the gender, the age, the race, ethnicity, um, sexual orientation, veteran status, ability, things like that. And diversity means having a um, a community that is all different. There is no such thing. It's a pet peeve of mine. There's no such thing as a diverse candidate. Diversity is differences within the candidate slate, within the employee base, that we're not all the same. So that's diversity. And that's all about the numbers. You can put it on graphs and who made, who's within each of these groups, each of these demographics. Then we get into equity. Equity is about treatment of people. It's about access. It's about how they're perceived. So equity is about being able to have access to the same opportunities, being treated with the same level of respect and having the same abilities to get jobs and promotions and that great project independent of your demographics. So there is no preferential treatment based on what you are. And it's all about equity of opportunity, of what you're able to do based on what you're capable of, based on what you bring, the values that you have. So a lot of subtopics around that include things like equal pay and equal access to promotions, equal access to training and career pathing. Then you have inclusion. Inclusion is how you are treated. Inclusion is, are you, some, are you allowed to be part of the conversation? Are you welcome to be part of the conversation? Is your voice heard? Is it valued? Are your ideas acted upon? So you can have diversity where there's a bunch of different types of people, a bunch of different demographics in a room. You can even have equity where everyone is paid the same for the same level of work. But if you're only listening to some voices over others or inviting some groups to a meeting over others, you don't have inclusion. You don't have that sense that everybody is here for purpose and value. Belonging, which has been added to that group, that's about being part of the community. You're not included in someone else's game. You have your own rules. You can create and be part of the rules to the game. So there's a lot of conversations around that. Um, one of my, my favorite analogies is about that dance where diversity is getting the invitation, inclusion is being asked to dance, belonging is being able to choose what music to dance to. So the ownership then becomes part of your own rather than you being included in somebody else's thing. Does that all make sense? It makes complete sense. And it's uh, a topic that I have uh, learned to love um, talking about, especially being in our space and one that uh, we, we get asked about quite a lot. And I thank you for defining it very eloquently as well, too. Um, uh, not not to double click too much on this, but the one that and, and I hope I'm not offending anybody by asking this and I hope I'm not offending you by asking this question. But how do you how does one quantify inclusion and uh and uh yeah how, how, i'll start there how do you quantify inclusion that's an excellent question and it's one that has been the bane of existence of a lot of dei initiatives because if you can't measure it if you can't quantify it then you can't prove that it's happening or making a difference in which case you can't get the support and the funding you need to run your programs and while diversity is super quantifiable which is why we end up why we tend to start and concentrate there inclusion which is just if not more so important is not as quantifiable 
because without inclusion, any diversity that you bring into your organization just sort of leaks out the other side. It's not retained because they don't have an environment that celebrates everybody and anyone who comes in as part of that group. But so to quantify it, some things that organizations can do is looking at things like employee retention. And are you seeing equity in retention across demographics, across all of the different areas of diversity that you have and celebrate? Um, employee satisfaction is another one. Employee satisfaction tends to be higher if people feel included and that they're part of a team rather than on the sidelines or tokenized by the team. So those types of metrics are good ones. Attraction is another one. Um, that one is an interesting one because you can always have a veneer of inclusion, which from a, a candidate attraction standpoint can be more important than the actuality. Um, but having that talent attraction and having candidates being interested in joining an organization because of its inclusive qualities is a great way to measure um, if you have inclusion. So those are some of the ways, but you're right, it's a bit of a extrapolation. You're, you're trying to measure happiness, for example. Yeah, and, and it's also something that I've, you know, actively thought about as a leader and as we're expanding out our team, there's the fine balance of um, you want to be efficient and effective in meetings, but also include people as well. And it's just something, uh, you know, how do you appropriately include people a part of conversations that would be wonderful for them to be involved in, but sometimes may also not be helpful for them to be involved in. And that's something that we're struggling with, or not, no, that's not fair. I'm actively feeling like, cause I move at such a rapid pace and I'm not saying that's a good thing, but there's so many times that I probably should have included somebody in a meeting and then I'm kind of playing quick catch up and expecting them to catch up. And this is more like founder focus less, but at the same time, it does pertain to this conversation as well as how can I do a better job at including our team members and how can I be more thoughtful about maybe that doesn't necessarily at bird's eye view make complete sense to involve somebody, but they bring a lot to the table that we should give them a chance to do so. And the, just actively having that internal conversation with myself. And, so. and you bring up a really, really good point as well, because any initiative that goes against productivity and goes against the bottom line of the business is not going to end well. Um, so what we have to do as a DEI community, as the advocates and the practitioners, is not go against productivity and against the business directives and goals, but to help augment them. So inclusion is not for inclusion's sake. You're not inviting everyone to a meeting so they all feel included, but you only needed three of those people. And by the way, you have to make a decision in 10 minutes. That is going to be very anti the goal of that meeting, of that, of that necessity within the business. So you're absolutely right. Inclusion is not just a thing that you do to check a box. It is still for a purpose. So when you're thinking about from a business perspective, who should literally be in the room for a particular meeting, you look at value. What ends up being a big DEI angle of that question is where you perceive that value. So if you're only perceiving that value from a certain demographic group, for example, or maybe it's a certain rank, even if your subject matter expertise is not in that rank, uh, which is very common, right? You'll have your subject matter expert working um, on a team, not necessarily running it. That's where it really matters from a diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging standpoint is are you spending the time getting the appropriate people because they bring the right value, the right 
points of view, the right expertise for the conversation, not including everybody that's part of the company in every conversation. Yeah, I love that. Um, and it's, yeah, just something we're, we're actually being cautious on. I, um, I asked this question to, uh, I asked this question to Rocky Howard, uh, she was a guest on my podcast. Uh, she's the chief diversity officer for uh, smart recruiters. And I'm going to, I want to ask, I, I hate to use a repeat question because I like everything to be original, but I do really want your perspective on this. Um, you know what our business does. We're a video interviewing company. You also, I'm, we've had enough fun conversations. I am a young white male who people think I'm rich because I own a tech company, but I'm not, but I get like, I, I know some of the personas that may happen when I walk into a room. Um, so what I would love your perspective on and advice on would be uh, how can I effectively lead an organization, not only what we do as, as the actual product, but as a you know business leader or hopefully a business leader, what can I do or what should I be thinking about that I may otherwise n haven't been? <laughs> that is a severely loaded question. <laughs> so hypothetically, if you happen to be talking to this guy, what would you advise him on? <laughs> I mean, it's what's what's really interesting about that question before we jump into an answer is the fact that you feel the need to ask it. Um, and you you ask it the same with that same um, veneer that we talk about don't doing like don't start things with as a woman. What do you think about this as a black person? How do you view that as a white male? What should I do here? These demographics, while they add depth to where, where our stories have gone, to what journeys we may have taken, we cannot use them in a way that detriments or devalues the wisdoms that we have. And so as a leader, you know, what is it that I can do to make sure that my team, that I'm building an inclusive team, a diverse environment, a place where everyone is proud to be a part of, is a great question. Does it matter what the color of your skin is asking that question? It's more the fact that you want to be the leader that brings this to your environments. Um, so I don't, I don't like the idea of devaluing the question by using the demographics. Um, I don't know if that makes makes sense to you or not. That's no, it makes complete sense. We we hear it all the time, right? But here's the thing: when it comes to DEI, everyone has to be part of the solution for us to solve all of these challenges. Everyone has to be part of creating a welcoming environment that celebrates everyone who's part of it, um, independent of including within their, their backgrounds, their diversity, the paths that they've followed. That includes our white, straight, young males who've never served in the military, right? And have no disability. That is part of everyone. So just by being just by seeking to be part of the solution and bringing these equitable, inclusive environments to your team and your organization, that makes you part of the solution and should be celebrated. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you calling out the question. I, I, uh, <laughs> number one, I have pretty thick skin, but I have been somebody who like, because of the industry that we are in, I oftentimes get asked about where our product and what that role plays in this conversation. And I've had people say that I do not really don't have, don't have the opportunity to have a voice in this conversation because of, uh, being a CEO of a tech company or being a white CEO of a tech company. And I'm, and it's interesting because the thing that I want to do, and this is the more and more conversations I've had is 
we want to be number one, I want to be a leader that leads uh, equitable and you know inclusive environment for people of all backgrounds. But number two, as we as we grow our business, I want to be somebody who's an asset, a part of this conversation rather than a hindrance. And so I, I, I thank you for, uh, for for calling me out in the, the way of asking that question, because you're right. Probably the framework of that question is part of the problem itself. So it's good. And, I like that. You know, and, and there's a bunch of things that you can do just as part of the solution that anybody could do independent of their demographics. For example, with video solutions, and it's a great example, um, that's a lot of technology in terms of everything from the lighting and how people are picked up and if there's tracking and all sorts of other things that go into those videos, is that inclusive? So are are there multiple demographics that the technology is being tested on? What about everything that's surrounding it within the process? Is it engaging to a wide variety of community from an age perspective, a race, ethnicity perspective, a gender perspective? So to have that look of diversity when it comes to uh, developing the product, what the requirements are, testing it, getting user acceptance testing in the environments that you're adopted in across various industries and various levels and roles. So all of that adds to the what you can do. And then how your organization and every member within your organization treats each other, treats your customers and your prospects, treats the candidates or, or the user base that you support. So all of that as well, the more that you're living and breathing, the inclusive, respectful practices that you can be proud of, the more you're part of the solution. I'm a big fan of show, not tell. Don't tell me that you care. Don't tell me that you have solidarity or tell me that you, you're going to do something about it. Show me. Do it. Let me see it so you never need to tell me at all. That's a good word. I like that. Um, for the organization that or the leader that has never thought about this topic and is saying, we need to do better, I want to do better, whatever that may be, where, where do they start? How, what's the best place to even start uh, this conversation around? Yeah listening the best place to start because dei and every facet of it that we had run through is all about empowering and enabling celebrating and valuing every voice turning those voices into action and implementation showing that it's more than just i care what you have to say but i'm listening and doing something about it and the very first step of that is listening just like you know you, you Leaders and industry deal with this all the time with customers. You have a product that needs to resonate with a customer base. The first thing you're going to do is listen. And you're going to understand that customer base so that you can design a product that meets their actual needs. Not what they might be on the surface, not what they might think they need, um, not necessarily what's making the most noise. But when you truly listen and pick apart and understand what's being said, you can create the products and services that cater to what they, what's underneath that, what they need. It's the exact same thing from a diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. Listen. So talk with your um, employees and understand what their experiences actually are in as safe of environments as you can possibly create. Talk with your candidates and your prospects. Talk with your customers and your users. Listen as much as you can. Ask questions. Be an active, you know, that concept of active listener. And that's a great place to start because what it will do is start opening your eyes to the different perspectives beyond your own. 
to the different experiences beyond the path that you've taken. You as the greater you, not you as in Matt, you. Um, the paths that have been taken, which will give more opportunity to make changes to include more of those paths. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of people need to hear that message because it's it's a simple start. Listen, <laughs> it's, uh, listen, ask questions, listen, ask questions, listen, ask questions. I mean, it's um, so I, I appreciate that because I think that's I think a lot of people need to hear that. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on my podcast. <laughs> um, so so uh, what's next for you guys? You guys are coming alongside companies and helping along this conversation. But what's uh, what's what's the big vision and what you want to accomplish? So we're working on a double track right now in order to meet our mission of removing the bias and creating more equitable and inclusive hiring programs. We have the technology and our technology side is where we started. And that's a, a candidate screening solution that combines structure and anonymity. Uh, think of it like the voice, but for candidate screening rather than a singing competition. Um, so that's where, you know, we really, we, we really started to put this all together. What we realized was that's a piece of the larger conversation. Because even if you have structure in your conversations, in your um, interviews, and you have anonymity to remove as many of those bias triggers as possible from um, the employers as they're evaluating the candidates, there's still a lot of opportunity around, but what should the questions be? What are the requirements? How can we create the most inclusive job description and experience um, that we can? How do we cast the widest net to attract and engage with a diverse set of talent? So we added a training track that is technology agnostic that really dives into a lot of these, these challenges, a lot of these opportunities all across talent acquisition and beyond so that we can enable people to create as inclusive and equitable process as we can. And, you know, a lot of it starts with just listening and raising that awareness and understanding that the opportunity is there, but then very quickly following it with actions. And here are things you can do right now in order to create more inclusivity, in order to create more equity, in order to drive more diversity. So now we're building up the two sides of the program simultaneously, where we have the technology as a tool for anyone who'd like to use it, and we have the training as an enabler for anyone who wants to expand and really develop the inclusive nature of their town acquisition program. So let me take that question one step further. What's the big vision for Melissa? What do you want to accomplish in life? Well, that depends on the day. There are simply days where I'd like to sleep in beyond when my children wake me up. I know that's not <laughs> a very big goal, but let me tell you, it can be a very important one. <laughs> there are some days that the biggest goal in my life is getting a good night's sleep, and that is a wonderful thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I mean, I have been on a, I, I'm sure you'll get a kick out of this. I have been on a basically different city eight weeks in a row bender and uh, running at about 120 hours a week. And so a good night's sleep is the one thing I'm really looking forward to. So, and I feel like, you know, on a personal level, not to, not to lose track of those goals because they would keep us capable of getting to the other ones over time. Um, but, you know, for the, for the larger goals, I'd like to see the, I'd like to be part of and really push forward 
all of the momentum that we're seeing with these DEI conversations and through crew.place, through the training, through all of the alliances and, and partnerships and, um, and amazing people and that we've met along the way in this journey to, to see that to fruition and see some real change happening across industries um, in the US and beyond. So that's one of the goals. Um, from a personal level, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to see, I mean, I have a lot of things that I like to work on just for myself. Like I, I write for a, a hobby and I'd, one of my personal goals is to be published at some point. Um, so there's that one always going in the background, which is fun. So, you know, a little here, a little there. Yeah, yeah, we'll dabble. We'll dabble in it. Yeah. Uh, probably write the next Star Wars, probably uh, the next better Star Wars. I'm I mean, more of a critiquer well, when it comes to Star Wars. I will pick apart uh, the movie and movies and, and talk about any inconsistency. God forbid there's an inconsistency between the books, the comics, the movies, the former movies, and anything else. Um, but well, I'm with this not a fan turning out all the time now, there's got to be a few inconsistencies. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, with as many as they're churning out right now, there's got to be a few inconsistencies. That is true. And lots of Easter eggs as well. So those are yes. always fun. <laughs> <laughs> so other than the days that you want to sleep in, which is very fair, what is it at the end of the day that gets you out of bed in the morning? Other than my children or the dog, right? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Um, you know, it's the excitement of the journey that we're on. That gets us. That gets me out in the morning, and knowing that today is another day that I can have a real impact, whether it's on an individual, an organization, a candidate, that gets me out of bed and gets me excited. The other thing, and I will tell you, and I probably shouldn't admit this, but I was absolutely shocked at how many amazing people that I've met through this journey. Um, there's a lot of not just passionate people that are in DEI, that are in town acquisition, that are in HR, but they're so dedicated and they just, they're so persistent with those passions. And they have to be because it is not an easy place to be. It is not easy trying to change habits and change the world. And so the people that I meet and interact with on a regular basis have been profoundly satisfying and exciting. And that was a very pleasant surprise as we began this journey. It's funny. I, uh, if you feel a little guilty about admitting that, I will echo it. Um, number one, I never knew how many people wanted to support entrepreneurs. Like people just want to help. And I think there's a lot of people out there that wish they could do it. And secretly, I'm sure there's days that you're like, I wish I could have a day job sort of thing. Cause I feel that <laughs> plenty of times, but, but there's a lot of people that I could tell that when they're speaking to me, they kind of like vicariously living through some of the stuff that I'm doing. And I, I don't mean that egocentric centric. I mean, I've been shocked at how many people want to support me and how many people I've seen want to support other entrepreneurs and let alone, especially in the HR town acquisition, like there's so much ripeness for disruption that when somebody's doing it, people just like, Yes, I want in. I want to help. I want to make introductions. I want to invest. I mean, all these different things, which I, I've just, I've been very humbled by. And it sounds like similar journey for you too. So, you know, 
with any of these, with any type of disruption, it takes a community. It takes a lot of voices over a period of time, and they have to be persistent, just nonstop, no matter how many walls we run into, sometimes head first, and how many times we're told it's not possible, and how many times we're given this is just the way things are, to not give up. And there's a lot of us out there. That's the truth. That's the truth. Um, so for people that want to follow along with you, uh, for people that want to send you a cake that you're desperately uh, seeking, <laughs> for people that want to uh, learn more about the business, what is the best way for people to contact, tag along, anything? So you can find me on LinkedIn and Melissa Dobbins and look for career.place, the one that's involved with career.place, that's me. Um, you can also go to my website at www.career.place and um, follow us there, sign up for the blog and you can see all the musings and things that we're doing over time. Um, and either one of those is great. And please do not send any cakes until after Passover is over. So <laughs> it is very difficult to look at cakes right now. <laughs> you're, you're handling it so well. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. You just listened to an amazing episode on the Matt Baxter Show. It had nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the guests that I have and the stories that we get to tell and the smack talking we get to have. So if you enjoyed this episode or any of the other episodes that you've listened to, feel free to su subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. Check us out at themattbaxtershow.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Matt C. Baxter, Twitter, or Facebook as well too. Uh, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's through an email on the website or whether it's through any of the social platforms. I do my best to get back to people as soon as I can. But thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoy. Feel free to send feedback in any way. And don't be afraid to share the Map Action Show. We're very excited to have you as a listener and hope you continue to listen as well. Thanks a ton. Bye-bye.